0: Hey, this is Chad Brown. Thanks for checking out Chad and Nate On Demand, presented by SCL Mortgage, the home of MySpecialMortgage.com. It's time for Distractions
1: with Chad and Nate. Life moves pretty fast. You don't stop and look around once in a while. You could miss it. Now, here's Chad and Nate. Chad, I know you've had this experience probably in your playing career right you're getting ready for the game you're in the locker room you got your phone in your hand you're sending some texts and you kind of slip it under your pants your football pants and then you forget it's there and you go out on the field and in the middle of the fourth quarter the game winning drive you make a tackle and your phone pops out (laughs) onto the field
0: that's happened yes multiple times
1: well it happened in a baseball game a couple days ago. I thought it was really funny and I wanted to talk about it, but we've been at training camp uh, so we, we've been talking football but um a couple days ago a Pittsburgh Pirates infielder Rodolfo Castro was sliding into third base and his phone <laughs> fell out of his pocket um, and after the game he was he, he apologized and he was really embarrassed about it and he said that he didn't even realize how it happened. he was you know didn't know it was there. <laughs> Um, and it reminded me of this time when a, a buddy of mine, Gabe Amay, who was a receiver at coll- at Menlo College where I played, he had a workout up here uh, for uh, the, um, the, was it an arena team that John Elway owned? Yes. Yeah, so he had a workout for them and there was a, a handful of dudes out there on the workout and one of these guys who was a receiver, he was wearing like velour pants and he had his keys in his phone in his pocket while he was running routes. And they were like jingle jangling, and his and it kept falling out of his pocket. I'm like, bro, just put him over there on the sideline, man. It wasn't the most professional of workouts. Needless to say that did, that guy didn't end up getting signed. But I wonder how common is it, man, that I, and this guy got caught with it. But how common is it that a baseball player has a phone in his pocket? And and do you think there are any football players who who go leave the locker room with, with their phones in their pockets? And and furthermore. How long before some league, in in, in an attempt to have some cool, exciting, new, like, modern marketing plan, Richie would probably like this, uh, encourages players to text or or tweet or whatever on the sideline? Like, do Instagram Live with their phones on the sidelines and stuff? Maybe the XFL would do something like that. Um, Do you think that cell phones would ever be allowed on the sideline?
0: No, I I think, well, there's no cell phones uh, in baseball dugouts. I think they're only allowed to have uh, uh, league-issued iPads. Um, so he was in clear violation of that rule. I believe a coach or a GM or somebody got fined, uh, maybe it was from the Cleveland Browns a couple of years back, for using a cell phone in the uh, the booth upstairs because you're not allowed to have that kind of communication. Mm. So um, from a league standpoint, uh, I think it has tremendous sponsorship opportunities, clearly. Um, <laughs> the game that I uh, coached the Outside linebackers with the Jets during my internship where Kevin Green was gone, I had the linebackers to myself, and I was actually coaching them during the game. I had one of the other interns bring out his cell phone and get a picture of me, and I was like, dude, you got to do it sneaky. You got to do it, you know, you got to just do it quick. You know, so I got my headset on. I got my clipboard in front of me. and I'm talking to one of the linebackers. I was like, "You got to get it now. You got to quick. You got to get it quick, man. Go, go, go. Do and, it. Do it. Yeah, because I wanted to get this. You know, this image of me in this. You know, very iconic for me, coaching mode. It was my first chance. You know, coaching the guys up through an NFL game. Um, so I, I we did sneak a phone, on, my phone, onto the sideline. And we did get a picture of that. Um, but that is as far as I've ever gone with it. Yeah, that's uh, that's frowned upon. It's technically illegal, and you would suffer a massive fine if you did it on purpose. But, um, yes, the Richie Carnies of the world, the new school kids, I'm sure would love that. Now, as an intern, it was fascinating to me because, you know, when I played, cell phones weren't a big deal. People weren't, you know, beholden to them. But as soon as some guys got into the locker room, they reached in their lockers and they would pull their phones out. We're in the middle of a football game. It's halftime of a football game. You need to get to your, hit the bathroom, get in the training room, get your orange slices, sit down in your chair so we can discuss the halftime adjustments. No, nah, I got to go check my phone first, coach.
1: <laughs> yeah, man. It's, it's, it's pretty weird. Um, but um, I guess that's just a sign of the times, right? Yeah. Like, so, so I guess the, um, in Arizona, they give them like cell phone breaks. Yes, like every like they they every twenty minutes or something like that. every thirty minutes, like yeah. they give them all right cell phone break, Instagram break. Right? Do you think what? that? Do you think it's a bad idea to cater to those kind of devices or to or to cater to the the vices of your players like that, or to try to instill something that's you know on, on a different track?
0: I've got certain members of my staff at my shipping company who have to be multitasking. To be on task, if you were just to sit them in a quiet room and say, "Hey, just bang out this email, um, and then you can move on to the next email," that's not enough distraction for them. They need their phone playing music or a YouTube video going in the background. Mm-hmm. They need two screens of of, of connectivity, um, and so I think some of these kids have grown up in, a, in such a distracted place. Yeah, to sit in them in a meeting. For four hours is just too much. Yeah, we got a break every 30 minutes so you can check your phone and be distracted and somehow mentally do a reset there. Um, Are you the police of society as a coach and pushing back on society's ills? Or are you just recognizing this is where my players are and I got to meet them where they are? I can't expect them to be like me where I can talk about the nuances of you know a zero technique for three hours. No, we got to break every twenty minutes. So you guys can hit the bathroom, check your phones, and see what uh, what what the latest uh, you know upload from some hot girl you're following on Instagram has put up.
1: It's a new NFL, right? Yeah, it is. Is, that, is, is that part of it? What he's talking about essentially? These are new. These are new. You know, the generation is different. And you have to treat them different. Or yeah. is it just about the science? Is it also about the personality of these guys and ways to actually get through to
0: them? There is science that says after forty-five minutes, the attention level, the, regardless of how much you try to stay engaged, our brains just after forty-five minutes just cannot stay as connected.
1: Well, don't, don't aren't those affected though? By the way, we consume information. Like, doesn't that number go down the less you are, the less you do even try to focus for long periods of time? And can't you push that number up if you try to focus longer? I think
0: there probably is a, is a is a sliding number there if you were to do a uh, study with 50-year-old executives versus 25-year-old NFL players, I think the 50-year-old executives we could probably could go longer than 45 minutes. Um, but 45 minutes is the sweet spot I've heard discussed for years and years and years now. It may be even lower now that kids are just so engaged with their phones and used to the constant distractions uh, in, in their minds.
1: So every week, every week when they give you your screen time, your average screen time per day, what, what is yours?
0: Oh, wow. Uh,
1: Are you willing to divulge that information? I am.
0: I am because it's it's been a very interesting uh, thing because, you know, for a long time, my wife was in Arizona yep. and I was here. Yep. And so now my wife is here. Uh, my screen time has dropped by hours, mm. hours because I've, sure got, I've got another person to talk to. Yep. You know, as opposed to when she was in Arizona, I'd be like, wow, six hours a day? What am I doing? What is wrong with me? Now, a lot of that was just YouTube videos just kind of in the background. Um, But now, yeah, I'm down to like three hours, you know, four hours max because I've got another human being to talk to who I actually enjoy talking to and spending time with.
1: Yeah, a a buddy of mine is a teacher, and a high school teacher, and he had a little exercise where he went around and had everybody share what their screen time per day was, these Uh high school kids. 9 hours. Oh. 10 hours. Whoa. 11 hours. Wow. Just it's always there. Uh-huh. It's always in hand. There's always something going on there. What's going on in your brain when that's happening? Are you paying attention to your surroundings? You know, if you were a coach on that team and your player's phone falls out of his pocket, how do you go about do you discipline him? How do you, how do you deal with that as a coach?
0: Oh, uh I suppose there has to be some kind of discipline that would set a standard for everyone else to to never ever accidentally forget that your phone is in your pocket. I am always aware of what's in my pockets. Cause I don't like things in my pockets. Uh, every day when we sit down to do the show, I empty my pockets because I don't like sitting down and having keys poking me and a giant phone in my pocket. I, t- I take all that stuff out. So that's me. And those other people who. And literally have the whole world in their pockets and have no idea like your boy was running routes with keys in his pocket yeah so there's i know there's folks who look at and feel things differently than, than i do but uh yeah if i were the coach there would have to be something because at some point we are playing the game and if you can't focus as a professional baseball player and have your phone in the dugout i mean in the locker room and not in the dugout with you um then we got some bigger issues so you're finding the guy
1: yeah. You, how
0: much? Uh, it wouldn't be ridiculous, but it would be enough. Take his phone away from him? <sighs> yes, it would feel ridiculous. <laughs> as, Give me I, your phone before you I, go I, out for every I game. Got to, yes. Uh, you know, I've, I've been in some meetings uh, on some of these internships where there was a box um, in front of the meeting room. So for guys who didn't leave their phone in the locker room, they had to leave their phone in the box at the you know, base of the meeting room, and there'd be a big box where all these yep. phones would go in. So, well,
1: well, these days at schools, at like high schools, for example, some high schools, there's just no check on cell phone use, and it's absolutely out of control. Every kid is on his phone all the time, and I've talked to some parents who don't know what to do about it. They wish they had a school or was, could send their kid to a school that enforced more cell phone rules, but then you get the parents, I mean, because it is a $1,000 piece of equipment right. so you get a teacher who takes that away you're taking away a very valuable thing there
0: my kid needed to study oh, Needs to, to do get his home, homework
1: right right are there any schools out there that just don't allow cell phones at all you can just you, you you cannot bring them on campus
0: uh text line hit us up and no because I, I certainly don't know of any uh right now for me the uh phrase that pays uh that would is winning the the uh the text line is uh high stepping like a giraffe through a snake pit. Mm. That's a pretty strong one. It's unusual enough. I think it'll be instantly recognizable if I say that during the game. Please keep them coming. I'm uh, loving the, uh, the ideas that are coming in right now. And when we come back, uh, we come back. I can't find my notes here. Where are my notes? <laughs> oh,
1: there when, we, you. know, when we come back, we're going to get into some more of these um, phrase that pays because there's some actually some good ones you didn't mention, Chad. But in addition to that, man, We're going to talk a little bit about Russell Wilson. We'll do that next. It's a Bud Light Football Friday. Bud Light, official beer sponsor of the Denver Broncos. Here's Chad and Nate.
0: Man, long time. We're gonna pick up right where we left off. Yeah, day 185 of Billy Ocean. I guess we can't call it a streak anymore. The streak nah. was busted, but it's day 185 of Billy Ocean,
1: just the Billy Ocean love campaign.
0: Yeah, um, some great NFL players who've wore uh, number 85, Jack Youngblood, you know, Los Angeles ram Hall of Famer, uh, one of the uh best pass rushers of all time, 151 sacks. Wow. Yes. Um, kind of the... Uh, What's the who, who's got the most ever? Bruce Smith. How many? 200. Wow. Reggie White's behind him. Then Kevin Green comes in 160. And uh, Jack, maybe, is Jack fourth? Is there somebody between Jack and Kevin? I'm not exactly sure. But, yeah, then there's a lot of guys in that 120, 130 range. DeMarcus Ware, Jason Taylor, guys like that.
1: With a, with a name like Jack Youngblood, you're... Destined to be a badass.
0: Yeah, and the dude was a badass.
1: Yeah, like, what are some names that, like, you just have to be a badass?
0: Stonebreaker. Mm. Uh, there was a Michael Stonebreaker at Notre Dame, uh, who played against us in the national championship game. Played middle linebacker, of course. Dick Butkus? It's, it's, it's a badass name. Debrickishaw Ferguson. Uh, that was also a very good football name. Yeah, yeah. Nick Bonacani, another number 85, so interesting. Uh, one edge guy and one linebacker wearing 85 back in the old days. Antonio Gates, mm. one of the greatest tight ends to ever do it. That's right. Um, Ashley Lillie. Ashley Lillie, one of the great uh, Broncos. Well, oh, Great's probably a, too big of a word there.
1: He might be top 20 receiving for the Broncos all time. Okay. I bet.
0: Now, wait, did you and Ashley cross past yeah, here? Yeah, we played together. Okay. Yeah.
1: Uh, Actually, then- at our rookie dinner. Uh, 2003. He was a rookie in 2002, and 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 they had a big bill there at Del Del Friscos. And mm-hmm. what happens is the guys who had to you know pay one year, the next year, the first year they're not rookies, they take it. They take advantage of it. Uh huh. A little bit. Yeah, a little bit. And so actually, at, at my rookie dinner, came in, he, he wasn't even there for dinner. He came in late, and he ordered. He told the waitress that he wanted two bottles of wine, like really, really expensive wine. He picked them out off the list. She brought them out. Starts down him. is like, no, wait, 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 wait. I'm taking him home. Oh just give him to me. And he left. Not cool. He left. Not cool, actually. Nah, not not, not cool. cool. but he was a good dude. He is a good dude. Uh Chad Mustard, bet you don't know that name.
0: Uh well, I'm looking at a list right now, and he's uh tight end and offensive tackle.
1: Yeah. He was he was kind of like that Eric Tomlinson type of tight end. 6'5", mm-hmm. 6'6", six, 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 270, you know, two sixty five, really good blocker, sweet feet for a guy that big, but not the guy you're gonna run down the seam.
0: I think I played against Chad Muster when the, the Broncos came to Pittsburgh in 06. Yeah, you probably yeah, did. I was on the field for that game. Oh, yes, cool. And so I believe Chad was as well.
1: Yeah, dude. Yeah. Great dude. Just an awesome guy. Um, Ron Egloff, number 85. Yep. Bronco, great.
0: Flipper Anderson. Ah, there you go. Name from the past. Um, And our own Albert Okawemunum. He's looking pretty good, man. I got to give him some, uh, some props. Uh, you know, there's certainly some room to grow as far as being a you know dedicated inline blocker. Um, but he's got some speed and some athleticism as well as really tremendous size for that style of tight end. Yep. Um, if he's able to really, you know, step up his blocking game, he can be that tight end that gives defenses fits because if he's on the field, uh, we want to leave him in line. We can run outside zone with him. Um, and if you want to bump him out into the slot, he's going to be a mismatch for most DBs just simply because of his size standpoint.
1: Yeah, he's got good ball skills, um, good timing. You know what I mean? He's not like,
0: stiff like the last guy.
1: He's not stiff. He's got good ball skills. Sometimes he lets the ball hit the ground and has some sort of eh, just drops. But if he can clean those up, the guy knows how to go up and high point the ball. Um, he was Drew Locke's guy. In college, that, that carries a kind of a negative moniker now that Drew Locke is a bad word around here and he's gone. But Alberto, because of Greg Dulcich's injury and because of Noah Fant's departure, has a really awesome opportunity in front of him. Been healthy all camp, um, hasn't missed a day, hasn't missed a rep, is taking his lumps. Of course, we've talked about only four fully padded practices before yesterday that made number five. So the body of work really for him to improve as a run blocker. I think that's probably when we talk about the lack of contact, those are the instances where you do sacrifice some improvement. Just a guy being able to go down there and do that every day because that's the thing he has to work on, right right? Just point of attack blocking he's st- he still needs to come off the ball and deliver a pop. That's the one thing he's not doing he he's he's more physical in the running game he's he's better, he's holding on better his his positioning's better. It's the pop that you got to deliver to dudes like you who are more ferocious you know in are coming off the ball you got to stone him somehow and and that's the one thing he's got to get a little better at but they've talked about how Hackett talked about this Russ talked about this the more you understand the system the f- the, f- the faster you play when you're thinking about a lot of stuff you play slower and it shows True. you know and and mm-hmm. that's what Alberto was was kind of doing before he's he's trying to learn the system he's thinking about his run blocking his pass protection his all you know everything and so you you slow down uh, your natural ability is is kind of hindered by that. But as you learn it, it frees you up to actually go play. And what they're seeing lately from Albert O is a guy who's starting to understand the system, so he's playing more free. And I think if Albert O can, can really get this system down, he's going to be a force on this offense. I, I think he can have a really good year.
0: Uh, the coaching staff in those uh, meetings yesterday, they're definitely excited about this tight end room and all the various skills that you that they have there. Uh, from an offensive coordinator, play caller perspective, uh, Coach Hackett talked about, you know, what you want in that room is you want somebody who can, you know, be a fullback, Andrew Beck kind of guy. You want somebody who can be like a a Tomlinson, a, you know, a a true in-the-line blocker who can deal with the best edge guys in the room. Then you need a little bit more of a... Uh, Down the field, speed guy, guy who you can bump out, maybe move into the slot, a guy who can go in motion and have all that down. And that's a little bit more of an Albert uh, O kind of guy. So you you need all these different skill sets for this offense to operate at its highest level. Um, Now it's just a point of how many guys does it take to accomplish that Mm. versus how many guys can actually represent multiple skills themselves. Um, But uh, you were the one who uh, coached me up and enlightened me as to how difficult the tight end job is, um, and that was certainly part of the discussion yesterday. Of these guys, got to know all the protections, and if you're going to be the, if you're going to play the fullback position, now you just don't have to know the offensive line protections. Now you need to know the running back protections. Yeah. And then we could ask you to bump out and be a receiver, and so you have to know all the receiver routes and and all the combinations of routes because you could be. You could be in line, you could be on the slot, you could be detached, you could be off the ball, we could put you in motion. I mean, all the varieties of ways that the route combinations get formed, Uh, the difficulty of being a tight end, um, I have thought long that I know a lot about football, Um, but this has been a... Uh, a learning journey for me, you coach me up on this, and then the coach is repeating that kind of same stuff that you talked about yesterday in that production meeting of just how difficult that job actually is and how much is put on your plate every single play.
1: I'm glad I could help you see the light. Thank you. But, it, you know, this offense is unique in that regard because there's five eligible receivers, right, every every play. There's one quarterback, five linemen, five eligible guys, and as actually as a receiver as well, you got to be able to play any of those... Now, as a tight end, you talked about being a fullback, so you got to be able to get in the backfield. But you have to be able to you have to know all five eligible because you could be any of them. Because you can run the same play with six different personnel groups. You can run the same play with three tight ends on the field that you can run with no tight ends on the field. You know, four receivers, one back, two backs, three receivers, one or whatever. So you have to know all that stuff, and you have to be able to do it. It's not enough to just know it; you got to do it, and then you have to have adjustments for all the for all the coverages that you can see. And you have to understand the checks and it's not just one position. It's all of them. So a lot on their plate. Um, and so maybe that's why we saw the offense struggling a bit, not just because the tight ends, but everybody like, you know, you got to learn all these positions. And and when Tim Patrick goes down, for example, well, he was the guy who did know all the positions. So now who's that guy in that room? So, so it's a learning process. And um, I do think that tight end group is going to be integral to the success of this offense. And, like you said you need guys who can do a bunch of different things in that room so 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 what it says is that you might have to keep you might have to suit up four guys you know in a, in a game four tight ends uh, or at least three and uh, cuz you're going to have some personnel groups where there are three on the field so where does that leave Eric Saubert you know or Eric Tomlinson could he be a cap or not a cap casualty but a cut um, Eric Greg Dulcich, is he going to get put on IR like what's going to happen there is going to be an interesting uh, position group to watch
0: Tomorrow night's game, uh, you know, regardless of how much or if Russell Wilson plays, there's still a battle to be determined at that backup quarterback spot. We'll talk about that next.
1: It's a Bud Light Football Friday. Bud Light, official beer sponsor of the Denver Broncos. Here's Chad and Nate. Both of those guys go back and forth. For us, it's going to be about that consistency. Getting those completions, making the right decisions, keeping the chains moving, taking the shots when you have those. And I think they, they both have shown they can do that. It's about now doing it
0: consistently as we move into these preseason games. Coach Hackett talking about the backup quarterback battle between Josh Johnson and Brett Rippon. Um... Yeah, I, I, I think it's it's going to come down to consistency and trust. Um, the, you know, the flashes that we've seen from both guys uh, during training camp, during some of the two minute drills, uh, we've seen some good plays from both of them, some deep balls from both of them, some flashes. But uh, the backup quarterback position, um, it is not about potential. It is not about flash. It's about hey, our starter got nicked up. Can you hold us together for two quarters? Uh, Can you hold us together for for a half of a game? And can we just rely upon other parts of our team to get us the win? And, you know, hopefully our quarterback will be back next week kind of thing. So we need somebody we can absolutely trust, and the consistency is a huge part of that.
1: It is, and and it's really hard to evaluate their ability to do that in practice. Uh, Getting limited reps and you know, the the tightly scripted nature of practice. You gotta cut these guys loose in a game and see what they can do, you know? And when you think about Josh Johnson versus Brett Rippon as the backup, um, I like Josh Johnson. What I've seen of, of him, because to me he's closer in playing style to Russell Wilson than Brett Rippon. Brett Rippon is out there, very robotic, you know, very technical, knows the offense, and is, is efficient. But he's he's, he's not playing. You know, Russell plays jazz out there. You know what I mean? He makes stuff happen mm-hmm. off schedule. And, and so your team, your offensive line, your receivers, your running backs become accustomed to that sort of free-flowing thing. Uh, here's the design of the play, and then, well, something else might happen if it doesn't work. That's not Brett Rippin. That's not Brett ripping. but Josh Johnson seems like a guy who can, who can be that a little more effectively. And I know you said it's just like be a placeholder, don't screw anything up, but you might need the guy to go up and make some plays. You might need them to actually play some good football. And you might, you know, Russell, what, missed three games last year, right? Mm-hmm. So it's not maybe just two quarters. How about three games? How about five games? Can you, can you lead us to victory, you know, more often than not? Um, that's the question these guys got to figure out. And I think, it's a, I think it is a big decision because you probably don't want to keep three quarterbacks on the roster. Yeah, not a, on the active
0: roster. Yeah, I mean, that's, yeah, that's tough when you do that. That takes away from uh, somewhere know, else. Somewhere else. There's, there's a. There's only so many slices of pay from a roster creation.
1: Yeah, and Brett Ribbon's hung on for a while. They clearly like him. He's a very bright guy. Uh, I think he's a. He, he's a pretty good quarterback. I just don't know if he's better than Josh Johnson or if he for the playing style that these guys want to play. If he's the guy, but you're gonna see it like these three preseason games. Russell probably not gonna play much. We can discuss whether or not that's a good idea or a bad idea. I think there's different schools of thought. The problem is the Rams didn't play anybody last year, and then they won the Super Bowl. So that's the blueprint. You got to do it that way. Clearly, it's the new NFL. But then you got guys like uh, someone texting that uh, James Palmer of NFL Network just mentioned that Andy Reid is going to play those those starters for a, a quarter. So there's different ways to skin this cat to mm-hmm. get you guys ready to go. Do, do you have any concerns? And I know you asked me a specific question about those guys, but do you have any concerns? With Russell Wilson not playing at all in preseason, do you think that's a mistake? I would if, like to, if that's the route
0: they take. I would like to see. it, Yeah. So if the Russell Wilson didn't play at all in the preseason, I would have some concerns. Um, you know, this is a new quarterback for this offensive line. What Russell Wilson does in the pocket uh, in real time game speed is probably going to be a little different than what he does in practice. Um, you know, we certainly seen Russell Wilson buy time and scramble out of the pocket and all that, but to do it in real full you know speed game action. There's going to be a different sense of timing that comes with that. How long can I stay in this all, this defensive tackle? How long before I need to let this guy go? All those pieces of the puzzle uh, without Russ out there, it, it would be less about Russ uh, if he didn't play and more about his teammates around him for me that I think would miss out. Uh, can Russell Wilson be dialed in, prepared for game one, that Monday night against Seattle? Yes, he absolutely can without much preseason action or any preseason action. But for the rest of that offense to gel with Russ, um, that would be my concern.
1: Yeah, and uh, yep. So we should, probably shouldn't expect to see him a whole lot. I personally, as a as a coach, would want him to get you know get his feet wet a little bit out there, so I can get the communication down with him on game day, get the feel for that down, uh, allow him to get a feel for his teammates out there for maybe a couple of quarters of work total um, over the three preseason games. But one thing, one cool thing we are going to see is a connection between. Josh Johnson, Brett Rippon, and those younger receivers who are stuck down on the on the depth chart who are going to get a lot of opportunities, a lot, in these preseason games. You know, all the stuff we talked about at practice, them not doing one-on-ones or not getting the chance to get the ball in practice, they're going to get that chance in these games coming up, and you're going to be like, who is this kid, you know? Who is Jalen Virgil? This guy's having a game. Caden Davis, um, Travis Fulgham, guys like that. We haven't seen... Tyree Cleveland out there, have we? No. In a long time. Yeah. You he got her early in camp. But um, Trey Quinn, you know, what does he look like out there? Brandon Johnson, who's a guy that was out at Camp Russ, like one of the first guys out there. And I was like, who's this guy in the picture? Oh, it's Brandon Johnson, number 89. They like him. Is he going to be the guy um, that makes this team as a receiver? Because there's an open spot now that Tim Patrick's not going to be around. Montreal, Washington had a great camp. He's clearly going to be on the team. Um, But how's he going to look returning kicks, right? I mean, the special teams unit is going to be fascinating to watch. You can't simulate special teams work at practice very effectively. Coach Stooks is a very intense dude who's ready to cut these guys loose. How are they going to perform tomorrow night? How's the return game going to look? How's the coverage game going to look? A huge deficiency in the Broncos last year. One of the worst coverage units in the league. Let some big ones by. Are they going to nip that in the bud? So a lot of fascinating kind of... And there's a punter battle going on too, Chad. I know you're going to be watching that one. And I know that's probably going to be one of the main narratives of your broadcast. <laughs> In fact, it's the doing, punter battle. That, that, Who's going to win?
0: That's the whole entire open of the game uh, broadcast will be about the battle at the punter spot. Corliss Waitman versus the incumbent Sam Martin. Yes, it's uh, we're going to go deep into the punter. We've got graphics built on it and everything. I can't believe you've preempted what we're going to talk about.
1: Sorry, man. Yes, I the, know you were supposed to keep that uh, the surprise
0: out of the bag. Now uh, a, a, a couple a couple names that you mentioned uh, were discussed. During the production meeting, um, Montreal, Washington, they love this kid. They're very excited about about what he can bring.
1: Cecil hated the pick.
0: Uh, uh, Brandon Johnson, uh, the rookie receiver from Central Florida. Uh, when I asked Coach Evero, hey, who is the offensive guy? When you guys are watching tape as a defensive staff, you guys keep going, that kid's pretty good. We like that kid. He mentioned Montreal, Washington. He mentioned. Um, Brandon Johnson. Nice. So th- you know, those are guys that I think uh, we may have not talked about them much because we've been so focused on the starters and some of the other pieces of when we were out there at training camp. But now that we're moving to this preseason phase where these guys get a chance to take the headlines over the next couple of weeks to see who wins these you know, back-of-the-position room battles, who becomes the fourth and fifth receiver, those kind of things, uh, these guys are going to now step to the forefront, and the coaches are really excited to see some of these guys play in real game action.
1: Yeah, Seth Williams, another uh, another name I forgot to mention, a big-bodied guy, the guy who's the best comp for Tim Patrick, physical physically, and but he's sort of. <sighs> You know, whenever he has a chance to really take a step forward and make that special play to separate himself from everybody, that, that ball goes through his fingers, or it's, it's, oh, it's so close, but he doesn't catch it. And uh, I think that he's got the, the size and the speed and the physical tools to do so, to, to be that guy. I want to see Seth Williams emerge there. Special teams is also going to be really important for these guys. We talked about the returning element, but, you know, uh, keeping a fifth receiver active is incumbent on him c- contributing. On special teams, you know, he, he a fifth receiver who's active on game day doesn't get a lot of offensive plays unless somebody gets hurt. So he's got to contribute on kickoff, kickoff return, punt, punt return. Kendall Hinton, right? There's another name. It can Kendall Hinton emerge as somebody uh, who who can make this team and contribute to this team? To me, man, the receiver battle is, is always in camp. I'm sorry, in preseason games, one of the most interesting ones, intriguing ones, because they go from getting zero action in practice because they're stuck back on the depth chart to getting all the action. Like, these guys are going to be out there dog-tired, and we'll see how good a shape they're in and how ready they are for that spotlight because the ball's going to be coming their way.
0: Uh, The text line continues to uh, come up with some good phrase that pays. uh, Smooth, like Billy Ocean. Um, that's a good one. I think I, I could enjoy saying that during the game tomorrow. So when we come back. Uh, we've got to talk about what we expect to see out there tomorrow. What we hope to see. What this hope this team accomplishes, and then continue down the uh, phrase that pays rabbit hole as well. That's next. It's a Bud Light Football Friday. Bud Light, official beer sponsor of the Denver Broncos. Here's Chad and Nate.
1: This makes me feel like I'm on a beach with a frosty one in my hand, the wind, the slight breeze coming in, and the sun setting over the Pacific, and, and I got a, a three and a, three and a half inch metal washer in my hand. I told you about the game washers yes. that we play on the beach, uh-huh. Uh-huh. clanking, bang, on the wooden board, and uh, the sun beating down, and, <sighs> Little steel pulse going it's a beautiful it's a beautiful song beautiful beautiful thought beautiful feeling yes feeling
0: well it is a reggae friday it is also a football friday uh Broncos first preseason action of the year tomorrow against the cowboys 7 pm mm. um looking forward to it i will be on the call uh, Steve levy ryan Harris as well um what do you need to see for this uh from this Broncos team to continue your reduced skepticism about Coach Hackett and continue what we felt yesterday after the joint practice with the Cowboys were, hey, there could be a plan here. There could be some genius behind what we're seeing.
1: So I don't expect the offense to look like crazy good, you know, because offenses take a while to come around. Preseason, you're never just lighting it up for the reason of, you know, you're rotating in a lot of players, you're not playing your starters a lot. Um, so, so I'm not looking for them to score 40 points, for example. I want to see them energetically match the beat down that they gave the Cowboys yesterday, again tomorrow, after the Cowboys had a couple of days to think about how they got their butts whooped. Okay, so are you going to come out with the same energy? Are you going to come out and be the bully again when you already punched first and now they're going to come back and try to counterpunch? How do you take that counterpunch? Um, when they saw what you got, they had a few days to stew over it. Look, there was some, there was some harsh words being said over there, especially on the defensive side of the ball, Broncos defense. Dallas, oh, there was, there was a lot of tension and a lot of talking to the point where there's some bad blood forming going into this game tomorrow that's going to get unleashed and spill all over the turf at Empower. Okay? So, how did the Broncos handle that when the Cowboys are coming for them? Because that's what's going to happen tomorrow. So, um, I just want to see them be the aggressors, you know, have the higher energy, come off the ball first, engage in the fight. You know, be ready for whatever. Keep that same energy. That's what I want to see tomorrow.
0: Okay. Yeah. Uh, The Cowboys are obviously going to respond uh, to, you know, what was definitely a uh, Bronco victory out there yesterday at UC Health Training Center. Uh, I think there could be uh, maybe a little bad blood left over from last year's Bronco beat down the Cowboys out there in Texas. Um, and then there was some actual physical beatdowns that happened as well. Malik Reed was on top of a Cowboy player throwing some blows. Yep. So uh, there could be some extras.
1: There was there was another one of those incidents. Um there was a play kind of behind the quarterback. There was an extended play where an offensive lineman, I think it was number 68 for the Cowboys, took kind of a cheap late shot on um, defensive end Marquis Spencer. Um, and number 51 and you know, he was kind of going to the ground and he put an exclamation point and knocked Marquis Spencer to the ground and kind of turned his back on him and walked away. Marquis Spencer got up, wheeled around, walked in front of him, and started throwing haymakers at him. Ugh. I mean, haymakers, like, and he was connecting. Uh, his hand probably hurts today. Right. That's the problem in getting in a football fight. You're going to break your hand. You're not going to break the dude's face. Right. You're not going to give him a bloody nose. You're going to break your hand. Mm-hmm. So, um,. That's stupid. If I'm a quarter if I'm a coach, I'm saying don't do that. What are you guys doing? Like right. I, I, I I like that you were getting in their kitchen. I like that you were talking crap to them and scuffles are fine, man, but don't break your hand on on their helmet. Um so uh, aside from that stuff, I like the uh chippiness.
0: Yes. Yes, the chip The chip on the shoulder. The but I'm not taking that. Yes. You wanna go you wanna give me some extras? Well I'm coming right back at you. Now you gotta find a way to get him back during the play, during the course of a game. You can't uh you don't wanna see a fight out there during the preseason game. Uh, but in the course of a play, yeah, get your extras right back in. Uh, continue to play with that chip on your shoulder. Don't take any crap from anybody. Uh, By the way,
1: Randy Gregory, too, was, was was active. He was he wanted to get into the brawls, man. He was running in there and, like, had to get pulled out and stuff. So imagine that guy's mind yesterday, like what's going in through his mind. Obviously, you, know, you love everybody on the Cowboys, your teammates, right? You're very close with them, but here's your new team. And they gave you... A bunch of money, and you haven't played yet. You're not playing. Obviously, he wants to be out there on a day like yesterday and tomorrow to to prove himself or to play against his old teammates. But he was riled up and tried to run in there with no pads on and get involved in the fray.
0: Yeah, I, I heard from somebody who was a little closer to the action that uh, he may have been the biggest stuff talker out there uh, out of anybody. Oh,
1: Randy was. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So uh, you know, uh, I think he's a guy who's definitely gonna. When he returns to action, play with a chip on his shoulder. Uh, I'm looking for the same kind of thing, to, to match that energy. Um, you know, I think some people, you know, when to phrase, oh, it's a preseason game. Is it going to be high scoring or low scoring? It's the first game, preseason game. Defenses are typically going to be
1: ahead. It's going to
0: be uh, like 70 to 12, you know. Uh, what was the, uh, the Patriots game last night? 24-21, I believe. Mm. Giants beat the Patriots. Uh, so I could see somewhere around there. Uh, there'll be some, you know, protection issues. There'll be some efficiency issues on offense. There'll be a couple times where, you know, the quarterback throws the ball and he's like, no, you were supposed to do this and you did that. Right. And we'll see those kind of, you know, conversations as the quarterback and receiver walk back into the huddle. There'll be some of that. Um, defenses are, I think it just can be much simpler here in game one because it's really about execution, less about game plan. It's just simply less for a defense to think about, uh, at this point in the preseason. So looking to see high energy, I'm curious to see how the Broncos tackle. Obviously they haven't tackled yet at all. No live tackling at all during, uh, this training camp. Uh, I was just watching a clip of the, uh, Pittsburgh Steelers. Every time the Pittsburgh Steelers are in, are in pads, they have a tackling period in their practice. So Mike Tomlin, a very respected coach, obviously doing things differently than coach Hackett. Uh, The Steelers model is just different than what they're trying to do out here in Denver. So, uh, you know, there's no one way or right way. There's lots of ways to skin a cat and win a championship. Um, So we'll see if coach Hackett's way is correct, but the tackling, I want to see how the crisp that is going to be out there in game one without having any of that during practice.
1: Okay. So let me ask you this, Chad, because the criticism of, of of Camp Hackett has been it's not physical enough. They won't be ready to tackle. You just talked about the Pittsburgh Steelers doing it every day. Every day they're in full pads, they're yep. tackling. Yep. You're concerned these Broncos are going to struggle tackling. If they don't struggle tackling, if they're actually really good tackling tomorrow, are you going to put that criticism to rest forever and be
0: like, you know what, I was wrong? Uh, you know, I think the, I'd like to see the full preseason. Um, because, you know, a lot, the running backs from the Cowboys, or receivers or ball carriers from the Cowboys, they're not used to being tackled either. So how well is there, you know, dip the hip and run through somebody's shoulder, all those kind of things you do as a runner or as a ball carrier. How good is that? How polished up is that? So it would just be one game. Let me see the full body of the preseason work to see where things are. And chances are it's going to be a lot of younger guys playing who are new to the NFL anyway. So their ability to, to tackle is already going to be in question. So if they don't tackle well tomorrow, does that write the story for, forever and ever about preseason or training camp tackling? No, it doesn't. You're playing a bunch of rookies who even if they tackled every day like the Steelers are still going to be in their first game action, and chances are they're not going to be crisp tacklers anyway.
1: So you're saying if you're a coach, if you're Hackett tomorrow and your guys can't tackle tomorrow, and you go and watch the film and you're missing a bunch of tackles – you won't second guess what you've been doing at all.
0: I think I would second guess, but I would say let's get it. Let's let's give it one more week of of, of a look, and let and if maybe for more starters playing week two, how well do my experienced guys tackle? Because that's more of an indication. How well does Bradley Chubb tackle? How well does Josie Jewell tackle? Versus you know my my rookie linebacker, my rookie defensive end. Those guys are rookies. The game's going way too fast for them anyway to be crisp tacklers. Yeah, week two. You got some of those rookie nerves taken away. Maybe you should be better at that. And, yeah, if I'm playing Bradley Chubb and if I'm playing Josie Jewell and those guys aren't tackling well, then that would be a little bit of more of an indicator for me that maybe next year in training camp I do incorporate some, uh, one or two full-speed tackling drills.
1: I know, I know we're excited about Coach Hackett. I know that um, Russell Wilson is – the man, and this offense is going to be fun to watch. This defense, man, is the strength of this team right now, and I'm really excited to see them get cut loose because it was fun to watch them yesterday dominate the Cowboys' offense, and I see a lot more of that in the future.
0: I'm going to go back to the text line and look at try to look up all the phrase that pays. Uh, I will pull up one of those. What about smoother than Billy Ocean
1: with a glass of nut milk?
0: Uh, I think I can leave out the nut milk, but the Billy Ocean is a good one. I still like high-stepping like a giraffe through a snake pit. That's pretty good as well. Um, what about high-stepping like
1: Billy Ocean through a, a <laughs> snake pit full of nut milk?
0: <laughs> it's got to make sense. It's got to have some context. Uh, looking forward to the Broncos tomorrow night. Uh, this was a fun uh, first day back in the studio for you and I, and we're going to hand this thing over to Stokely and Zach.
1: Hey, this is Nate Jackson. Thanks for checking out Chad and Nate On Demand, presented by SCL Mortgage, the home of MySpecialMortgage.com.